Now that was some heat. And what the heck is a derecho? Welcome to Way Over Our Heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, how you doing? Beautiful afternoon. What derecho? <laughs> it's gorgeous out. <laughs> it is indeed. We're recording on Tuesday afternoon, the 23rd of July. Kenny, of course, just got here, had a wild, wild last few days trying to recap a, a most, I would say, eventful weather week that we had last week. So let's let's talk about that. It's almost hard to keep up. There were so many events that happened last week from a weather standpoint. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. So it was one of the busier weeks we've had in a while, and it was punctuated by a few uh, notably impressive weather events. So we could begin on Sunday, the 14th of July. There was a lot of severe weather up in northwestern Minnesota with, uh, you know, some wind damage and some large hail. Think uh, kind of Fergus Falls to Detroit Lakes area and then stretching eastward towards Aiken. Uh, there was uh, wind damage kind of on a west to east swath in that area and also, again, some large hail up to two inches in diameter. Then on Monday, uh, uh, we had the heat building in from the south. Now, is this the one you said you were coming back into yes, town? Yes, coming back from... Charlotte, North Carolina. Our flight was diverted to Rochester. We got on the ground in Rochester, looked at the radar, figured there was no way we're getting into Minneapolis. And not only that, we were watching storms starting to approach Rochester. So if Minneapolis cleared, uh, Rochester was next. So we actually were bussed to the Minneapolis terminal from Rochester. (laughs) Got some pretty good storm action there. Uh, Some really cool clouds, a lot of heavy rain, tons of lightning. It was a a rather interesting drive, shall we say, from Rochester to Minneapolis. Yeah, so on that day, you know, this was really kind of our first very warm, humid day of the summer where we had dew points in the 70s and temperatures in the 90s throughout a large area. And then we had this explosion of severe weather that that kind of began in the morning up in far northern Minnesota and just worked its way southeastward through the day. And the batch that got the Twin Cities actually formed uh, in the Wilmer area and pushed eastward. And by by early mid-evening, parts of Hennepin County had already recorded three, four, even five inches of rain. Wow. And so this produced some excessive rainfall rates, a lot of runoff. There was flooding, and then these storms just plowed southward through the rest of southern Minnesota. And basically, really heavy rain from the Twin Cities into, uh, say, the area around Wasika. So that was a good, good kind of air mass clearing, severe weather event. A lot of people will remember this one because the storms passed at just the right time in the Twin Cities area and parts of southern Minnesota. So the sunset actually illuminated the retreating thunderstorm anvils and you could see those mammatus, those sort of bulbous clouds on the underside of those storms. And it made, it was a very photogenic evening. Yes, it was. And Yeah, it was something else. One of those, you know, once a year kind of sunsets. So then Tuesday was our recovery day. Not much happened meteorologically, except there was this remnant area of showers and thunderstorms in the morning. And while the rest of the region was kind of heating up, these showers and thunderstorms were moving through southern Minnesota. And they put out a little bit of cool air. And as that cool air boundary interacted with the warming air mass over the Twin Cities, a very small very isolated, but very intense thunderstorm developed right over St. Paul and Minneapolis. So, you know, 99.x% of the state remained dry. But this little thunderstorm 
produced a deluge and it rained very hard for about an hour, hour and a half. Uh, so Inconveniently that, at rush hour. Right, right, right. Before, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right yeah. around rush hour. And I mean, this thing was so small. You know, my office is over on the St. Paul campus of the university, and there's a official weather observation taken at the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport, which as a crow flies is only six or seven miles away. I mean, it's really not that right. far. The thunderstorm fit in between those two points. So the oh airport only goodness. got a trace of rain. The weather station at the university only had about six hundredths. But in between, around Marshall Avenue, Lake Street, kind of that area centered on, you know, kind of the east central Minneapolis and west central St. Paul. Wow, one to th- almost three inches of rain. I think two and a half was the highest we saw from the volunteer networks. And again, this all came really quickly. So there was a lot of standing water. Of course, over at the uh, on the university east bank, there was that mudslide yes. that closed par- part of the East River Parkway. So that was our otherwise uneventful Tuesday. Was punctuated <laughs> by a lot of excitement. Right on Wednesday, we had a return to the muggy conditions. And there were really two areas we were watching. One was this uh, kind of muggy front pushing in through southern Minnesota, which really contained all of the hot air that was going to <laughs> that's going to brutalize us on Friday. But there was also a lot of strong winds in the upper atmosphere uh, over northern Minnesota. And they actually started off with a pretty significant severe weather outbreak. A lot of trees went down from not just straight line winds, but Jim, a rare Northwoods tornado outbreak where tornadoes were reported. And I can't say where they've been confirmed because it's very hard for the weather service to go in and survey the damage. But basically from the forests in Lake of the Woods County, right along the Canadian border. So it was, I guess, Beltrami, Lake of the Woods, uh, parts of Itasca, Kuchiching and St. Louis counties all had potential tornadoes. Not exactly Minnesota's tornado alley either. That's pretty unusual up in that part of the state, isn't it? Correct. And, and, you know, just some of our own, you know, I am not the official word on this at all, but looking at some of the damage photos, some of the radar information, trying to corroborate some of that with the weather services, it looks like there were at least two tornadoes. That would be my guess, at least two, possibly up to six. It kind of depends on how many consistent tracks they can find. But pretty interesting. Uh, so that was Wednesday. And then at night, this that another arc of thunderstorms blew up along that muggy front late at night in southeastern Minnesota. And the northwesternmost cell passed into the Twin Cities metropolitan area, kind of clipped the southeastern part. And we had a report of baseball size hail at about five in the morning. At baseball. Prior, baseball size hail in Prior wow. Lake. And uh, uh, closer to Hen's Egg size hail in the Burnsville area, two-inch diameter. But now, this is, baseball's unusual, isn't it? Baseball's is that, unusual, yes. but not this last week. It became sort of commonplace. We had a lot wow. of tennis balls and baseballs falling all last week uh, throughout Minnesota. So, uh, you know, most of the area, again, kind of was fit between those severe storms in far northern Minnesota and the severe storms in far southern Minnesota. But uh, the areas that got hit definitely knew about it. So then Thursday... Generally another recovery day, but again, folks in the Twin Cities in southern Minnesota may have seen in the evening more supercell thunderstorms formed. You had a great view to the south of some towering cumulonimbus clouds. Uh, This mainly, although these were supercell thunderstorms, which are the kind we worry about producing tornadoes and large hail, there was a tornado watch in effect for that region of 
kind of just south of the Twin Cities, there wasn't much severe weather reported. The bigger deal was the Winona area got a lot of heavy rain and another night with three, four and five inch rains in southeast Minnesota and even into western Wisconsin. I know we don't really cover Wisconsin much here, but they got pounded and the parts of southwestern Wisconsin have seen multiple heavy rainfall events this year with a lot of mudslides, landslides, road washouts and, and damage. And that brings us to Friday. What would you do on Friday, Jim? Friday, I did a little bit of gardening for about 45 minutes and, uh, needless to say, sweated profusely, but I'm, <laughs> I'm no fool. I had uh, plenty of hydration, and when it got to be a bit too much, I what figured I'd of, wrap it up. What time of day was this? Oh, uh, about 3 o'clock. Okay, so right, <laughs> so, yeah. right as yeah, we were yeah. getting there. Exactly. And so we kind of knew this was coming because on Thursday... In Iowa and in southeast South Dakota, we could see the the weather maps were showing something really startling. They were showing, you usually see these little symbols, and in the upper left is one number, and just below that is another. The upper left number is the temperature, and the lower left number is the dew point temperature. And the lower left numbers were spiking 80, 82, 83 in parts of Iowa and, and South Dakota. So we knew this one was real. There was a real uh, warm air mass coming in. At the same time, we had much cooler air coming in from northern Minnesota and very strong winds aloft. So this kind of set the stage. Friday was, uh, the state was kind of cut in half. The southern half of the state was oppressively hot, especially in the afternoon. Temperatures rose into the 90s with dew points into the upper 70s and low 80s. We had some of the highest heat index values ever recorded in the Twin Cities and really at many stations. You'd have to go back to 2011 since you could find comparably high uh, heat index values. And, and we do caution, you know, the, the dew point record, the relative humidity record for, the, for most stations in Minnesota is really limited. So we can't go too far back and really see, well, what was the, the most oppressively humid day we've ever experienced? We just don't know that. We just know that since we've been recording, we're kind of this past Friday was near the tops, especially basically south of St. Cloud uh, and through right down to the Iowa border. North of that area, you had big booming thunderstorms. They started in the morning again in Ottertail County near Fergus Falls, which got kind of pounded all week. So they had thunderstorms in the morning. They had them again in the early afternoon. And then the main event ignited in the mid-afternoon, also in that same area. And uh, there was a lot of large hail. Uh, we had, again, tennis ball and baseball-sized hail in the Little Falls area, or not too far from Little Falls, and then the trees started going down in uh, east-central Minnesota. And this, this whole severe weather outbreak on Friday evening didn't really affect the Twin Cities, stayed kind of in a west-to-east stripe over central Minnesota, but it was powerful. And as it moved into Wisconsin, it prompted the Storm Prediction Center to issue an unusually worded severe thunderstorm watch uh, with the tag... This is a particularly dangerous situation. Ah. That's because they were expecting wind gusts in excess of 100 miles per hour, and that's exactly what they got. Uh, many thousands of trees were fallen in uh, the Wisconsin forest. So another blowdown, essentially, yeah, this, similar to what we saw uh, in '99, or was this a, potentially not quite similar to the July Fourth, 1977, uh, okay. straight line wind okay. event that started in eastern Minnesota and went through the forests of northern Wisconsin? It was a big deal. Uh, it's going to take weeks to fully survey the damage. You know, the the National Weather Service is still deciding which of the these 
horrendous blowdown areas are actually from straight line winds and which of them are from these bookend vortices. But no matter what you and call it. And what are bookend vortices? Yeah, so as a bow line, so just imagine there's a line of thunderstorms. I think most people can picture it on, on radar. And there's always a part that kind of goes a little faster. It's usually the middle starts to sort of bulge out. And as that middle bulges out, the, the top uh, especially, the top part of that bulge starts to kind of curl backwards and gets a little bit of cyclonic rotation. And these can actually act like little mini whirls or tornadoes that intensify the strong winds. And you see pockets of excess of excess damage within that swath of already strong winds. And this one was relatively long lasting as these things go. So you have these bookend vortices within this sort quote bow echo uh, and this all, if you add it all up, this qualifies as our word of the day. Duratio. Correct. So a duratio, do you know what one is, Jim? Well, isn't a duratio a long, sustained, straight-line wind event? Correct, yeah. And, and generally, uh, although the definitions vary a little bit, but basically you're looking for 250 miles or more of relatively continuous wind damage or indications that the winds were above severe levels. And this one more than delivered that. We had several hundred miles of, of wind damage extending from Minnesota into Wisconsin, and the winds were well above severe levels. Again, it's going to take the Weather Service a while to figure out which of this was from a tornado and which was from straight-line winds. The winds were really that strong, especially in Wisconsin, but Minnesota was the birthplace of it. And so we're trying to do our best to to catalog what happened here in Minnesota. And that only gets us into Friday night. You think we're done? Are we done? Oh, no, 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 yeah. no, no. So then we get to Saturday, and I got to say... Oh, we, we need to say one thing about oh, Friday. Yeah. There was an extraordinary parameter that we witnessed, and it comes from a weather balloon that is sent up twice a day by the National Weather Service office in Chanhassen. And actually, they sent up a one, uh, not on a normally scheduled hour on Friday, to essentially assess the upper air in the atmosphere. And there's something called CAPE, Convective Available Potential Energy. Oh, yes. That number was 8,300 joules per kilogram. squared, yes. Which <laughs> is, that was a record. Here yeah. in the Twin Cities. Yeah, so we have weather balloon uh, information that goes back into the middle, late middle of the 20th century. Although, uh, for the first 25 years or so, that was actually taken in the St. Cloud area where the balloons were launched. But, yeah, it's an extraordinary amount of instability. And what the convective available potential energy tells you is, if a blob of air can be liberated to move vertically how much energy is essentially available to it to consume and turn into either kinetic energy or just precipitation or both. Uh, that's large. Usually for severe weather, uh, all you need is about 1,000 joules per kilogram and you're in business. Uh, if we see levels up around three to 4,000, uh, that's pretty high and we start being concerned about you know extra strong thunderstorms and uh, up at 8,000, you are just about off the charts. Uh, we just don't see that level of instability. Now, frequently, and this was the case, there's a, a bit of a lid or a cap on that instability, and that actually prevents thunderstorms from uh, detonating where you have all that energy stored up. But uh, if it's ever tapped into, you get all hell breaks loose. It can be pretty vicious. 
So that all happened on Friday. Uh, by Saturday morning, was people were cleaning up the damage. You know, the cold front had come through. It was much cooler. It was less humid, but there was still enough moisture around. And that old front and the winds aloft were very active. Another powerful line of thunderstorms moved out of South Dakota and into Minnesota. And this one was interesting because, uh, you know, usually when you get wind damage, you have one kind of organized line that sweeps across some part of the state and it produces a consistent swath of damage. But in this case on Saturday, we actually had multiple lines and clusters of thunderstorm cells in different parts of the state that were producing concurrent wind damage. And then those kind of organized and together moved across Minnesota producing a consistent swath of wind damage. So at between 8 and 9 in the morning on Saturday, we had thunderstorm wind damage happening in Rochester, in the Twin Cities area, and in the Pipestone area. All from, you know, these are there's hundreds of miles between Rochester, there's over 200 miles between Rochester and Pipestone, and Pipestone is about 175 miles from Minneapolis, which is about 80 miles from Rochester. So these were, these were well-spaced storms, all producing wind damage at the same time, and then they kind of organized and produced more damage, not just through Minnesota, but back into Wisconsin, affecting a lot of the same areas that were affected on Friday night. So now sorting through that damage is extra complicated. Because wow. what happened on Friday night versus what happened on Saturday. So right. we had kind of head-to-head derechos, one on uh, Friday evening and overnight, and then the next one on Saturday. And the one on Saturday was longer. The one on Friday was a little bit stronger. I'd give it the edge in terms of how extreme the winds were. But together, it uh, makes for one of the highest impact days in the region, uh, two-day periods in the region in a long time, and certainly... I think Wisconsin's seen two days like that, and you have to go back at least a decade. So a rather extraordinary week for Minnesota and Wisconsin in terms of severe weather. Yeah. Was it even more unusual because of the timing where it uh, where it happened? I mean, this is this something we'd expect more likely in June, uh, mid-July, a stranger time for this to happen, or a oh, more unusual no, time? no, I would no. say our derecho season okay. pretty much peaks in July. So ah. June, you expect... You know, really from May into September, you can get any type of severe weather. But the tornadoes tend to be more common in May and June. And then the severe weather mode switches to favoring uh, the straight line winds a little bit more in the middle of summer. But we could we could go on and on and on about the historic wind events that have hit Minnesota in July. But the boundary waters blow down the July 4th, 1977 uh, straight line wind event, July 3rd, 1983, July 19th, 1983. Uh, we had a couple in the northern parts of the state in 1995. I mean, we could go on and on and bore listeners a lot just naming <laughs> dates. But July is a very active month, and it has to do with the the frequency of the sort of conditions that we had. You need that really warm, unstable air, and then you need a pretty potent boundary just to the north of it. And it just happens that in July, that type of boundary and that type of situation is, you know, with some frequency over Minnesota. Well, we want to talk about an historic event that occurred 32 years ago tonight. This is Tuesday, July 23rd. We're recording this show um, right on the banks of Minnehaha Creek in South Minneapolis. But that historic event was the Superstorm of 1987 with a ton of rain and 
have to emphasize a ton of rain and two tornadoes, too, I believe, that impacted the northwestern suburbs. Yeah, there was actually an F3 tornado that hit uh, Maple Grove and moved into the Brooklyn Park area and damaged about 40 homes. And we're talking, if it's an F3, pretty significant damage where, you know, parts of the home were ripped apart and unrecognizable and probably uninhabitable. Uh, So, yeah, it began with those tornadoes. And then this, uh, it actually began earlier in the morning as some severe thunderstorms moved across the northern metro. And it was this, what we now think of as a kind of textbook situation, but you had really warm air building throughout southern Minnesota, similar to what we often see in the summer. But these thunderstorms that went by in the mid or late morning uh, produced a nice cold air outflow boundary. And there was also a cold front moving in from the Dakotas that was supposed to arrive later in the evening, kind of between 6 p.m. and midnight. But that it was that outflow boundary from the earlier day storms that ignited the first thunderstorm cell over, uh, over the Maple Grove and Brooklyn Park area. And this thing went tornadic, started producing copious rains. And then, because that boundary wasn't moving very fast, the storm just sort of sat there and then generally built to the south. And by mid-evening, it just started pounding Minneapolis, Bloomington, Richfield, Minnetonka, Eden Prairie, and the area from basically from Lake Minnetonka into St. Paul just got drenched with uh, 6 to 10 inches of rain, pretty common. We had high points of, in Bloomington of over 12 inches of rain just from that night. Wow. So, uh, the creek overflowed its banks. Uh, you might remember this, Jim. It had actually we'd actually been in the middle of a drought that summer, oh, and this was the beginning okay. of the '87, '88 drought. But after that event, this became the wettest July on record by a landslide wow. in the Twin Cities, and uh, and really took the Twin Cities area out of the drought for the rest of that summer. Even though much of the rest of Minnesota only got primed for uh, for much worse conditions the next year. We want to mention an event that's coming up this Saturday, July 27th. You can see Kenny at the Bryant Lake Bowl in South Minneapolis. Uh, But it was cold last week and other sins against climatology. What can folks expect if they come see you on Saturday? Oh, gosh, it's a great time. We, you know, I mean, when do you get to go to a bar in a theater and have someone talk with you about the climate? Right, right. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, You know... Basically, what this is is a way of talking about eh, the kind of touchy topic of climate change without, you know, but without being both too polite and too controversial. I mean, there is some legitimate confusion that people had, and I never want to hurt anyone's feelings. On the other, t- on the other hand, there are some absolute trolls who are trying to make my life difficult. <laughs> and so really, this night is about them. <laughs> it's about some of the things that people say, some of the things that they say innocently and some of the things they say quite deliberately that are just incredible. And so we address them. We tell some stories. We tell us what the we talk about. Well, here are the right things you can say and here are the things that will make you seem foolish. It's a good time. I usually have a drink. Most of the people in the audience do. We learn. We laugh. We share. We take some questions and then we go home at 7 p.m. Uh, on Saturday at Bryant Lake Bowl and each of these shows they're never even though I try and you know set up the material I can never do the exact same thing twice so they're all a little bit different 
Um, I usually interrupt myself at least once and tell a decent story that I wasn't prepared to tell. <laughs> it's always fun. And, uh, yeah, I hope people come out. It's going to be a good time. Uh, I know we've got a good crowd, but there's still a few tickets available. Excellent. Well, if you'd like more information about that, just visit wayoverourheads.com. We have a link with all the info, and it also takes you to a registration page as well. So that's coming up this Saturday, July 27th, 7 o'clock. Doors open at 6 o'clock. Bryant Lake Bowl in South Minneapolis. Well, Kenny, we had an eventful week last week. What does the remainder of this week look like? Yeah, it's funny. I almost forgot to look forward because we've spent so much time looking backwards. Uh, So we've got some nice, I mean, after the heat, after the storms, things really turned beautiful. We have, uh, you know, Sunday was enjoyable. Monday was almost perfect. Tuesday's been almost perfect. Expect more nice weather Wednesday. Thursday, things are going to get a little bumpy in Minnesota again. Uh, We've got more unstable air moving into the region, although I don't think anything like what we had last week. I mean, you know, maybe one of the lesser performing days. It's summertime, so you can get severe thunderstorms, and they are, again, most likely over kind of the western and northern parts of the state. But uh, there's, we don't have the ingredients for one of those cataclysmic outbreaks like we had last week. Uh, heavy rain is always possible. And then I think as we get into the weekend, it does become more unstable, a little bit warmer, and we get into a more inclement and, and warm, humid weather pattern towards the end of the month in early August. But uh, we don't see any return to 115 degree Fahrenheit heat index values or 80 degree dew points, even though you can't write it out. I mean, really, we are in play for hot, muggy conditions right until Labor Day weekend. It's just, will it materialize? Who knows? Right. Any thoughts on August yet? (laughs) Oh, you know, I'm going to go with persistence. We've been warm in June. We've been warm in July. We've been, for the most part, although we... started out dry in June. We kind of ended ended wet and we've been very wet in July. I'm going to go with warm and wet for August. And I still think the one thing missing from the palette of extreme weather this year is, well, hopefully we can hold off on major tornado outbreaks. But the other thing missing, we haven't had, as wet as it's been, we have not had one of those blockbuster mega rains where you get six inches of rain covering, you know, a two or three county area or a thousand square miles. Um, so I'm kind of looking for one of those. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it doesn't happen. But uh, I'm, I'm imagining we're going to get one big rainfall event this August. Okay. Well, we'll enjoy, I imagine, a day like today and tomorrow as well. That would be Wednesday the 24th. Uh, this must rank fairly high on the glory index. It's a right? nice day. It's yes. a 35 to 40 point day, and that's about as many points as you can get. Yeah. Uh, all right. Real nice. When you have uh, high temperatures in the 70s or low 80s, you have uh, overnight lows in the 50s, upper 50s, low 60s, uh, pleasant moisture, so you don't have really high dew points, and it doesn't rain. Yeah, it can't get much better than that. And you throw in something that we don't even measure on that index, the fact that hardly any clouds in the yes. sky. It is, it is real nice. And maybe listeners can hear the wind. Ah, yes. hear that. It's real nice. It's a nice cooling breeze. Yeah. I should mention, because we did talk about the long-range weather forecast for August, that that was merely a guess that, <laughs> I mean, you know this, Jim. Right, right. I, the, even the pros at the Climate Prediction Center habitually get this wrong. And by wrong, I mean the opposite of what they predict happens. And so, you know, 
before people start writing down what Kenny said, it's going to be warm and wet in August and we should expect one mega rain in Minnesota. Just you can think of that as the equivalent of me tossing a coin, maybe tossing another one and giving an answer. Uh, you get these feelings, you have forecasting instinct, but uh, they're no better either than whatever it is that the Climate right. Prediction Center <laughs> forecasters use. So just to disclaim, people can, you know, people can relax a little bit and breathe. We're going to have our share of nice days no matter what. Excellent. Well, Kenny, always a pleasure talking with you. We'll catch up again next week. Have a great show on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, enjoy. That's great. Thank you very much. Good talking with you, and we'll see you guys there on Saturday. This is Way Over Our Heads, a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist, and uh, we'll catch you next time.